What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Whiskey and War Stories. We are your hosts, Sergio. Hi, man. I'm Q. What up, homies? How we doing? <sighs> Excellent, man. Yeah? Excellent. Doing good? Yeah. Doing good? Excellent. Damn workout kicked my butt today. <sighs> was, are you sure it was just the workout? Yeah. Maybe 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 it's life that's did, did kicking you your it? butt. Did you do it today? I did not do it today. Oh, okay. I gave myself a rest day, so right. maybe it's your um, mind. Every day's a rest day, for you. but but I'm also doing two days. So uh, <laughs> damn, two exactly, day. exactly, <laughs> two days, huh? Yes, sir. Mm, good for you. Um, so as customary, <laughs> we always like to do a dedication for each episode. Wow. Um, Sergio is actually going to go ahead and, and take the dedication away, Serge. Yeah, this this episode is dedicated to police officer Gregory Casillas V. Uh, Pomona Police Department, California. End of watch. Friday, March 9th of 2018. Police officer Greg Casillas was shot and killed as he attempted to arrest a man at the 1400 block of South Palomada Street following a vehicle pursuit. The vehicle fled after officers attempted to stop it for reckless driving. The driver crashed into another vehicle before fleeing on foot and entering an apartment. As Officer Casillas and another officer attempted to make contact with the man, he fired through the apartment door, striking both officers. The officers were transported to a local hospital where Officer Casillas succumbed to his wounds. The man, sur- <clears throat> the man sur- surrendered after remaining barricaded inside his home for more than 15 hours. He was charged with Officer Casillas' murder as well as several counts of attempt murder of a peace, of- murder of a peace officer. Uh, Officer Casillas served with the Pomona Police Department for six months and was still in field training at the time of the incident. He had been employed as a civilian with the agency for three years before entering the police academy. He is survived by his wife and two children. Rest in peace, brother. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. It's Officer Casillas. Rest Cheers, in peace. Cheers. Um, and, uh, it's craziness, craziness. Yeah, man. And, uh, the the bottle that we're actually choosing with today is uh, seventeen ninety two small batch uh, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. The uh, bourbon, yeah, it says uh, named in honor of the year Kentucky joined the United States, seventeen ninety two. Small batch bourbon is made from a marriage of a few select barrels, carefully <laughs> chosen by our master distiller. This refined bourbon elevates Kentucky distilling to exceptional new heights. Celebrated by whiskey connoisseurs worldwide and whiskey and war stories. The <laughs> subtleties of 1792 make it incomparably brash and bold, yet smooth and balanced. Okay. 1792. Sergio, can I get a taste and a little ASMR? And then can you describe it to us, please? <laughs> <laughs> Who is getting goosebumps? He does that. I think it's a fetish. It's not that bad. It doesn't burn. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. I do see. I do taste the vanilla though, and with the way we're describing it, yeah, a little bit of spice. Not too bad. Yeah, it's pretty I, good. It's pretty good. I feel like the 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 first sip, like well, the first like <clears throat> hit is is a little on the spicy side. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you take it down and you got notes, notes of vanilla, notes of vanilla. I feel like I, I get like right, right, right at the end. The afterbirth <clears throat> is vanilla. So afterbirth, 
<laughs> I don't know. If you, what the fuck? I'm not a connoisseur or anything of the sorts, but it actually tastes like oaky. Is it like? Mm. Did it say something about? I think everything tastes like oak. Is it oaky? <laughs> you gotta wait. Get that that very last hint is like oakiness <laughs> of something. Just yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get a little little oaky, woodsy. So apparently you're supposed to smell it. So apparently you're supposed it's not to smell it. <laughs> we need we need help. We need we need to go to class. Mm. We actually should. Hey, does uh, anyone want to sponsor whiskey and war stories for us to go to a whiskey like tasting class? That would be cool. Tap Learn. tap evolve distilling. <laughs> yes, evolve evolve <laughs> That's distilling. Right. If you're listening to this would podcast, you, evolve distilling. Would you ne- like to take week. us next week? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so Jaime is actually going to introduce our guest of honor for tonight. So Jaime, take it away. Yeah. So as is customary, uh, we have a guest every episode, and I know I say this like we say this all the time. But we're like, man, we're really excited to like introduce our guest. But um, I think this one is like a more it's a it's a special guest. Yeah. Um, our particular guest today. Uh, is a police detective at the agency I work with. Um, been there for about ten years. Before that, uh, like me, he was a police explorer. So he, you know, he kind of grew up mm-hmm. in the department. Um, and I think as we go along with this podcast, we're going to find that he's got a lot to share with us here. That's going to help out. I think maybe some of our listeners, us, um, and. I'm very, very happy to uh, to have him on as a guest and happy to introduce Alex Nguyen. What up, what up, man? So, man welcome, nice. welcome. Thanks yeah. for joining us, bro. Thanks yeah. for having me. Um, Appreciate that. Alex, have you ever done a podcast before at all? No, nah, first time. This man. is your first time doing a podcast? <laughs> ever. It's okay. We've popped other people's cherries. Yeah, so. <laughs> I actually like... You're not the first one. <laughs> I was going to say I like popping cherries, but yeah. I mean popping podcast cherries. That's what I meant to say. I like popping podcast cherries. Yeah, we're going to sound like hoes. We are going to sound like After hose. several episodes. Oh, popping cherries. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Alex, just give us a little bit of background. Tell us about your you know where you're from your family life growing up give us a give us and the listeners uh the spiel about yourself um i was born and raised in pomona uh nice went Me to too. some pomona schools uh pomona high for a little bit went to some claremont schools uh during high school i lived in florida for two years oh, yeah nice. my mom moved my family to florida to try to fix some things mm-hmm. and then when it didn't work out we came back so I spent actually freshman and sophomore year in Florida before going to Pomona High. Where at in Florida? Orlando. Oh, no nice. shit. Yeah. Nice. That's hard. Just transferring to another high school. But yeah. here's the thing is... Three high schools is, in four years. Is Damn. You, when you... When you guys came back from Florida, you guys went back to Pomona. Yeah. So then I'm assuming the move wasn't too hard just because you probably still had your friends out here. Yeah. Okay. Our family right. was still here. Okay. Hmm. All right. Yeah, so then, finished high school. Stayed, well, stayed at, while I was at Pomona High, I, I joined the Pomona Police Explorers, and then I was an explorer for a while. I got hired by the Orange County Sheriff's Department. After a year there, knowing that I wanted to work Pomona, I lateraled back to Pomona. How is it that I never knew any of this? Nice. I didn't know that you were. <laughs> yeah. For Orange County Sheriff's yeah. Department. Orange County Sheriff's deputy. Uh, worked um, the intake release center in Santa Ana. I worked uncuffed, which is pretty much uh, intake. Uncuff and search everyone that gets brought to jail, and I worked um, housing. Nice, I yeah, that's I, cool. I did not know that. Wow. So, um, 
So then you came to Pomona, and how how old were you when you got hired? I was 21 when I got hired. Okay. I think I lateraled at 22, spent a year and a half there. I got my basic post, which is pretty much um, what you get after a year certifying that you're a police officer. Mm-hmm. Then I lateraled to Pomona. Uh, Jaime had me actually on training for a day when mm-hmm. uh, my FTO was off. Um, I worked patrol for a little bit. I went to gangs for three years. Uh, back to patrol. I promoted to detective. And here I am. Nice. So, have you always known that, that being a police officer is what you wanted to do? No, actually, when I was in Florida, my plans were to probably be uh, next to my high school in Florida. There was a University of Technical Institute, UTI, for like mechanics and whatnot. No way. And because I saw it every day going to school, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go there next. <laughs> and I was being a mechanic and I'll be all right. Uh, my uncle is actually a police officer. So when I came back, he got me into Explorers, and then here I am. Oh, okay. Yeah, so one of the things I didn't mention is his uncle actually works for... Pomona? For our same oh, really? agency. Yeah, and, and been there. Uh, he's, he's a veteran police officer. He's like one of the most senior, if not the most senior... So he's still there right now? He's still there, nice. yeah. And nice. I think he's fairly close to retirement, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's pretty close. Um, been there a while, but... Um, yeah, that's interesting, man. And I, you just said something. Oh, I was going to ask you something, but... Well, for for... I think it's important to note this for our list for like our listeners. You know how we always post a picture like on our Instagram. Yeah. Um, I just want like our followers or listeners to know that Alex is of age when they see the picture <laughs> and they see him with the whiskey glass. I swear to God, he's over twenty one years old. So he's probably got this his whole career. Yeah, he looks sure. like he's, he looks like he's fifteen. Yeah. And you know the 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 thing of that is is when people are always like, man, are you old enough? Like. Are you old enough to carry a gun yet? And I know you've got that a million times in your career. I think I've even heard it before. <laughs> you know, you're probably like, fuck, I wish I looked older. Yeah. Ironically, when you're older and, you know, like you, you're like, man, I wish I looked younger. Like, it's like, we're never <laughs> happy with life. Do we always want, I wish I looked like Alex and, you know, I wish I had that. I don't, I don't think I could relate to that. I'm, I'm happy aging, you know, and I just, I'm, I'm okay with not looking young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're 33. Okay, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You're young, like right. I think in the big scheme of things, you're yeah. you're still but a baby. I guess, I guess because like I see like my parents and uh-huh. how they're aging, and I feel like they're aging gracefully. So I'm like, okay, hopefully I follow the same genes. Yeah, I feel like, and I don't want to be a dead horse. I know we talked about this in other episodes, but like the stress and how the cortisol like will do stuff mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's aged me the like the last couple years. Um, it's it's aged me like I have more white hairs and you know I have like a little bit more wrinkles on my forehead and you know. well maybe you found the fountain of youth because I feel like for the amount of stress that someone could take on and you know his story like he's he's one that should be you know yeah he should be looking real real ratchet right now <laughs> that's true yeah what what's in your backwater dude I yeah, yeah believe it or not what I've aged you? a lot since I started. I, I would say that you look older. A lot older than when I started. When you met me, I was a lot younger. Yeah, he, man, he he looked like It's only a, been 10-ish years, but brother, I would is say it, I look 15 years younger. At what, least. You, you just decided to grow a mustache and that's what mustache. made you look older? <laughs> mustache, hair. It was a mustache, but 10 years on <laughs> <laughs> So, so how, how do you feel, you know, being, being a, a police officer and looking so young? You know, I'm like, like Jaime said, I'm sure you probably get all the time where people are constantly, you know, saying little comments to you. Um, how does that make you feel? 
Uh, that's good and bad, I guess. Uh, there's been calls where sometimes they don't take you serious because you're young, mm. and sometimes they're just happy for you, proud for you, like, oh, you're really young. Mm. But, you know, I'm actually older than that look, so. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think sometimes they're impressed that. I respect yeah. authority. Exactly. <laughs> I'm older. Well, Not laying the ground. And Alex is a year younger than you, Q. Yeah. But he looks like he's ten years younger than you, and you don't look old. I just I think you look your age. You look you look good for your age. Like I'm not shit talking, but I just think oh, he looks okay. he looks oh, super young. Well, so. The funny thing is, I was actually looking at like obviously being a barber, I'm looking at the mirror all the time. Yeah, and uh, I have this white hair like on my mustache. I see it right now. <laughs> I'm just tell you tell him you got blood on your mouth, that, on your face. That, <laughs> I, and I noticed it today. And I think I think when I lined my my mustache up, I. I left it a little thicker than usual because mm-hmm. I was I was looking I was like, dude, is that a white hair on my mustache? I was like, damn, I thought, I thought bro. it was food. I saw it I earlier like, too. I did too. Like, this is the first thing I noticed. Happy right? the tweezer, guys. Now y'all making me feel very <laughs> self conscious. <laughs> I was very like, self conscious yeah, about myself. Is that your first your white hair? hair on your, is that why? Is it like is it nostalgic? Are you keeping it? Is that why you're doing that? No, I just I'm too busy making y'all look beautiful. Uh, you did today. You, you did. You gave me a good haircut. I like yeah. it. I'm not gonna lie. I like it. Yeah. You couldn't squeeze me um, in. No. Did you schedule an appointment like you're Tomorrow. supposed to? He he schedules his appointments and then he tries to get in like two days before his appointment. Hey, any cancellations? I'm like. <laughs> but anywho, anywho, back to Alex. Yeah. Yeah. So in the white hair. Yeah, in the white hair. <sighs> yeah. So um. Now um. So grew up Pomona. <laughs> Went OC, went back to Pomona. Um, you said you didn't want to become a cop, or you weren't planning to become a cop. Um, that it wasn't until you moved back that your uncle, who worked for Pomona, um, kind of got you into the Explorer program. And once you became an Explorer, at that point, did you know that obviously you wanted to become a cop because you're doing the Explorer program? But were you dead set that hey, I want to work for the city of Pomona? One hundred percent. I wrestled in high school, but I didn't play like basketball, baseball, mm-hmm. football. So I wasn't in team sports or anything. And even wrestling, it was just something to do, kind of thing. Um, so when I joined Explorers, it was something I was finally good at. You didn't need to be the tallest, biggest, strongest, mm-hmm. most athletic. Um, you needed to just study and put your time in. So I was finally good at something. I excelled in the Explorer Academy. So then I felt like okay, this is something I actually might be good at, and I enjoyed the ride-alongs. Uh, Back then, as an explorer, I was able to do everything but drive and carry a gun. Right. So I really enjoyed everything I was able to do and see. And I learned that everything I learned at the time would only benefit me if I worked for Pomona because I learned Pomona way. Mm. So everything, a lot of things I learned because I went to OC, it wasn't applicable. It was a different environment, different okay. codes, different culture. Now... Is there other reasons outside of you wanting to go back to Pomona because you learned the Pomona way? Um, I mean, serving your community. That's oh, a yeah, community that you grew up sure. in, right? Yeah, because I was born and raised there. Mm. Working in Orange County, it was easy to lie to me because I wouldn't know the area. You can tell me you just got out of this school. Mm. I wouldn't even know where that school is at or okay, whatnot. Okay. Because I was born and raised in Pomona and I went to, the, went to those markets, those schools, those parks. You couldn't lie to me about what park you just came from or what time school gets out, what time practice gets out, mm-hmm. what gang hangs out in this area because I, I lived. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, just your opinion. You, you've been in for 10 years now? Yeah. 
So being in for 10 years, um, do you think that going into law enforcement, it would be more beneficial for departments to hire um, officers that have lived within the community? Oh, 100%. Okay. I'd say so, 100%. Because they, they know the the community they're serving, mm-hmm. the kind of people that live there. Yeah. They go to those markets, those schools, whether they like it or not. Yeah. They, they see it daily, on a daily basis. And if they came from there, typically their family is still there. Mm-hmm. So they care about how the right. city thrives. Because right. Their parents and family still yeah. have to go through that daily. Yeah. So it's like sort of a, an allegiance. You yeah, know what I mean, like you, 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 you care about that because you're vested in that community, right? Yeah, and and that's one of the things that like I've always I've always been curious about that. Where, um, to me, I always thought it was weird when, like, you get a cop and you put him in, you know, the worst areas in LA or just in in a, in a rough area. But, you know, what if they, they're from freaking Claremont or Laverne or somewhere where it's a little, you know, higher than the median. Affluent, a little more affluent. Yeah. Um, and you put them in a community like that. Obviously, as officers, you want to serve your community. You want to build that trust within your community and the people in it. Um, and I feel like if someone is so disconnected from what the community deal, deals with, I think that's where, like, issues can really and really come up. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a double-edged sword. How so? <laughs> and, 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 People you know may know where you live. and mm. Yeah, I guess that's good. No, that's true. I've run, I've run into people. Me too. So have I. <clears throat> to this day, actually. I still run into people that I'd rather not run into. And I, I agree with you, Serge. I, I do. I, I could see it being a double-edged sword because there could al- almost be a sense of... Uh, of favoritism, nepotism, I don't know what you want to call it, but mm-hmm. where you know, you the officer might have more urgency. Like if Jaime for, pulls me over, I'm up until Jaime. <laughs> just let me go, buddy. It's my first time. <laughs> my first time carrying this package. Let me go. <laughs> let me go. <laughs> I'm gonna be like I, I can't, you're drunk. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> So, so sir, serving Pomona, man. Um, how has your experience been so far, going back to your city and serving it? It's been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wouldn't leave. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's been times, of course, where I've had good and bad days, or I thought maybe things could be better elsewhere. But I'm so invested and so committed. I don't think there's anything that can happen yeah. that would make me want to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. I think that that what you said, Alex, that goes for anything really, right? Like we have. I mean, sir, Q, I know you probably have most good days here, you know, like you, <laughs> you know, so you're like an anomaly, but Sergio, I'm sure you have like good and bad days, right? We have good and bad days. Yeah. Yeah. You have good, like me too. I have, I have good and bad days, you know, unless Corey gives you a hard time. And <laughs> was, It's just, he's giving me shit because we've had these conversations before where, where they're like, oh, you know, our job's this and our job's that. And I'm, for me, I love what I do. I genuinely love what I do. I you know, I don't wake up dreading life. Well, not dreading life, I should say, but just being like, oh, work. I, I have also told you though that before the assignment that I worked, true, I true. absolutely love what I did. Yeah, yeah, very like, true. I love, I love being, a, I love being a police officer. Like I get yeah. to help people. That's why I wanted to do it, right? Because yeah. I grew up in Pomona. I was born in Razor, like yeah. like Alex. Um, and, and I and I like it. I like I like chasing bad people, and I like helping people that can't help themselves. And like, mm-hmm. I think that's a calling. Like it really is. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Um, and I know what I'm doing right now is a, is, is a necessary evil. I feel it's not evil, but it's a necessary evil in my head. Like right. it has to be done. Somebody has to do my job, um, in the position that I work, but yeah. Um, so Alex, uh, I, I, I know that you're a brand new father. Um, congratulations, man. Thank that's, you. Yeah, congrats. Congrats. Yeah. That's freaking yeah. awesome, man. I'm like so happy for you. Um, how's home life? Like how's, how's home life? Um, does is work affecting home life does work affect home life do you have a good balance with it like how's that working out for you right now i have a good balance because as a detective the day shift schedule with weekends off it makes it better mm. for home life more yeah. time at home at night weekends off i was able to take a month off for baby leave and everything's been good nice yeah i feel like that's that's pretty conducive right to like when you have a new kid, like it's a new baby, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like having that schedule probably helps out a lot. Whereas, you know, uh, a lot of other cops are working like graveyards and, you mm-hmm. know, shifts that you have worked before, yeah. right, Alex? Um, and just the funky hours. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, one of the things that we asked you when you first came in, uh, you know, when we weren't recording is, you know, uh, you had made a comment that you haven't gotten any sleep, and I think that's probably typical, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not a parent, but oh, you yeah. guys, yeah, cues. I'm sure you guys can team can, no sleep, team no sleep. First mm-hmm. month is hell. Can testify <laughs> that. No, it's hell. It's so <laughs> funny because <laughs> Jesus, yeah, no, <laughs> Bella, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> you were worth, Bella. You were worth. Hey, it's not that bad. I'm here, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good that point. Bad. Yeah, no, I, but I, I, I will. You know, I will agree. I, I had mentioned to Alex that because um, your, your baby's like newborn pretty much, right? Yeah, three weeks. Yeah, and so I was telling him that uh, the first like three months or so, it's just like rough. It's you're, you're adjusting to everything. And then you hit this like plateau where you're, the baby starts picking up sleeping patterns or maybe us the adults pick up the sleeping patterns and we're just like, Oh, okay. You know, maybe I can take a nap or I can do this. You feel your sleep pattern stabling off and then teething comes around at like six, seven months <laughs> and you're back to square one. Cause your sleep gets thrown off again. Cause they're, you know, they're in pain. They, they got fever, all this stuff. And you're just like, gosh, <laughs> but I remember when we first, the first day we left the hospital I was excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, like finally I can go home. We can sleep in our own bed. I'm not going to lie. We got home and I'm like, I want to be back in the hospital because <laughs> we have the nurses to help us. <laughs> yeah. You just click a button and be like, I'm tired. I want to nap. Take him to the little baby room, you know, whatever. Let him, let him go make friends. Yeah. <laughs> go from there. <laughs> I, I was wondering, I mean, it's a question for all three of you. Did you find that in the beginning or any time after that your relationship was affected by having a baby? Like, mm. like you didn't have, you know, there maybe intimacy or you didn't bond as much. And like, cause the, I'm, I'm curious, like, what is that? Is that true? So this is your first kid, Alex? Yeah. Okay. So fair warning, you know, and you seem like a great person and level headed. <laughs> so I think you'll be able to understand this process, but a fair warning, the first year to two years of the kid's life you are put in the back burner you are put to the side you know the mom she's a mom now like mommy duties step in a hundred percent and so i'm not saying this is for every relationship but 
from friends that I've talked to who are dads, who've gone through it, um, we've all shared the same thing that the first year or two of your kid being, you know, with you, um, you as a, as a, as a father, as a husband, I should say, boyfriend, whatever, um, you're, you're just a sideshow pretty much. <laughs> um, and straight up, straight up, man, I, you know, the first year or two of Liam being born, um, you know, we would still be intimate here and there, but dude, it, it hit us hard. Cause I was like, man, I, you know, you're, you're not the priority anymore. You know, all happiness, all care is being put on the baby is making sure that the baby is healthy. It's, you know, things like that. So that makes sense. I always tell people that, um, the dads, you know, just get used to that. You're not going to be number one in your wife's heart for a little while. Yeah. Not until they get a little older. Once, once they get older, you know, Emily and I, bless her heart, man. We've, we've gone through the ringer, but we're, we're fantastic. You know, we're, we're doing so good now. Um, compared to, you know, we've had our ups and downs, but everyone does. Yeah. I, was everyone say, does. I think that's, everybody does. It's yeah. kind of common. Um, but that's just a fair warning. Not saying that that's going to happen yeah, to I'm you sorry, exactly, girl. but, um, but the possibility is there. Sergio, how about you? Do you remember? It's been so long. It's been so long. Since you, you got laid? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You got rice on your face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, your little whisker? Yeah, my little whisker. Cigar. I see it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, it was different for me. I mean, we, me and my ex were um, uh, not in a good space. So it's 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 a whole yeah. whole, whole freaking life story. You guys weren't in a good space pre, Mm-mm. during, after kind of no, thing. No, okay, uh, no. It's yeah, this is too personal for me. I can't give you. No, and that, that's yeah. Fine. You don't. Yeah, it, we we, don't. we just weren't in a good space. Um, uh, little. She thought it was a good thing to try to get a family going, and I'm like, no, no. But um, yeah, oh, fate had it. Fate had it. So. It's, uh, I don't know. And, and that's fate happened, and here is Belle. But, so. needless to say, Bells is a great person. No, no, no. Yes. Like Bells is a really great person. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you say something interesting where it's like, oh, you know, having a kid or having a family will like fix the problems. And I've never believed in that. I've mm. never believed in having a family is going to fix us. Like, no, nah, like, you guys need to fix yourselves. Or, I think it'd make it worse. Oh, 100%. Because yeah. now you're bringing a, a, a kid. You're bringing a human into the space. And you're yeah. like, right. poor kid didn't ask for that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But back to you, Alex. <laughs> back to a <our> regular <laughs> scheduled program. <laughs> so, um, uh, are married? Yeah. Yeah. How mm-hmm. long have you guys been married now? Two years. Two years? Okay. Um, now you guys got me. Sergio gets a little thirsty. Um, yeah, that's, my first, that's my first one. Uh, and, uh, how has, uh, how long have you guys been together though? Uh, since high school. So it's probably been like oh, dang. 12 years. Oh, why, why, why you say like that? What? And it was like, damn. Well, it's just, it's, that's yeah. 12 years. It's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time. Alex, he's 32. Oh, that's right. That's he's 32. Yeah. Been together for 12 years. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, he doesn't look his age. My bad. My I, bad. I mean, I don't got to take my shoes and socks <laughs> off, but that's 12 years. When, when, when Alex, when Alex said 12 or 12 years, you know, 
freaking Serge is over here thinking that nine years old. Shoot, he's yeah. over here thinking high school was like two years ago for him. <laughs> no, um, no, no, no. Okay, so so twelve years you've been together, um, and dated know. twelve years, and then married too. It's like fourteen. We know each other. Yeah. So, at any point, were her family or your family like? Okay now. Oh, for sure. Okay now. For sure. I think uh, she's told me now after the fact that um, it's either was going to happen when it happened or or it wasn't going to happen. No yeah. way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure. Well, it'll lead into it anyway, but uh, I'll just tell you. Um, it wasn't going to happen, but what sped it up was me getting hurt at work. Mm. When I got hurt at work, uh, I remember telling myself, damn, I almost died. And I didn't have no one to leave my used fucking 2014 Forerunner to. <laughs> I never owned a home, never got married, didn't have no kids. You know, you worked so hard to become a cop, a cop for fucking what? Yeah, you, you're not leaving oh, shit wow. behind. So that whole survivor's guilt and, you know, yeah. leading into all that. I'm not saying it made me make decisions I didn't want to make, but it definitely sped up decisions well, that I would probably would have made. A little later than the way I did. It probably just readjusted your priorities. Oh, for sure. Because I got hurt in March 2018. I proposed June 2018. No way. Bought a house July 2018. Oh, wow. wow. So it was like, it was almost like the fear of like, oh, tomorrow. It's not a promise kind of thing. Do you have siblings? I have an older brother and a younger sister. And were any of them in like law enforcement or anything like that? Are you the first one in your family? No, other than my uncle, it's just me. My brother's in the army. Oh, he's in the army. Yeah. Who yeah. baby? Who Yeah. Um. So, can can we tie him into yeah, the dedication? I, yeah. Um, so he he touched on it, and I think he he led the path for it. Um. So Alex, uh, we're gonna give you the floor. You talked about um the reason part of the reason that pushed you to get marriage and a house and um was because you had this near death experience, a traumatic experience at work. Um, and to our listeners, the dedication, um, is also tied in with Alex. So, um, you know, I, I know we're not gonna, we, we've talked about, we're not going to ask specific details, Alex, but, um, how has, how has that traumatic experience? And I mean, if you want to just like touch on it, you know, again, we don't have to have specifics, but how has that experience shaped you mentally after that like how did you feel after that critical incident like just like walk us through like what was going through your head and how you felt so when it comes to the incident i want to share everything yeah but we can't because it's still going to go to court and whatnot i I would say just share what you can yeah so i'm going to share what's already publicly known or like during like a press release or whatnot but it was an incident where a pursuit a vehicle pursuit occurred um suspect bailed from the car barricaded himself in the house um it wasn't just me and greg it was numerous officers uh that went into the home trying to apprehend him and then during the apprehension attempt um an officer involved shooting occurred and obviously the suspect's being charged with uh murder of a peace officer and attempted murder so greg was obviously killed rest in peace Mm -hmm. and um i was shot in the face in my left cheek right here you can see the scar or whatnot but um, and then because of numerous other officers being within arm's reach of me uh, he also was charged with attempted murder of other officers wow Um, I think eventually Jaime showed up 
uh, as part of the SWAT team. Uh, our SWAT team took over. Um, and then LA County's um, SEB took over and relieved our SWAT eventually. Um, they breached the neighboring walls eventually and took them into custody after like a canine deployment or whatnot. Wow. Um, he's still in custody. And trial can go any day now. So, if, shoot, I, I, didn't, I was reading the whole damn story and I, I'm like, it's his story. It, yeah, it's his story. I, oh, my, my. No, that's not good. Up, I mean, man. that's why I'm here, I, man. I did tell you. I like literally told you. You just don't listen. <laughs> no. But, uh, that's, that's a good point, though, because when you read the story, it's very generic, which is okay. I, I get yeah. it. But even to this day, my own coworkers <laughs> who have now been hired newly mm-hmm. or even within the past five years, randomly, for whatever reason, they felt comfortable to ask me or if they're my trainee, like my trainees now, I'll take them to the actual place yeah. and break it down to them about what happened. Wow. Just um, so they, they're aware of what could happen just because cause Greg was on his last day of training. So I don't yeah. want them to think, oh, I'm new on training. Nothing can happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. So if you could paint us a picture as, as great as you can as far as um so you know Greg gets hit you get hit you guys are both rushed to the hospital almost immediately I'm assuming um uh, for me obviously it felt like a lifetime but yeah eventually uh Greg I make I went to the hospital first I, I left in um I didn't go in an ambulance uh Greg goes to the hospital in an ambulance did, did the hit like knock you out or anything like that um cause you say you got hit in the cheek yeah in the face mm-hmm. um how how was how was that process going through that um obviously it's painful I'm not asking oh, no, for, for sure like, pain wise uh, but at, at that moment like what's what's running through well, your head I mean, that, that's that's also a good question too because I feel like you know you got your body's filled with adrenal, adrenaline right. and you got like your endorphins that are kicking in and like you know right. cortisol and I think I mean was there was there pain did you feel pain? like was there pain associated with it or was it just was it things happening so fast that I'd be lying if I said there wasn't pain uh-huh. but obviously not enough for me not to fight because obviously fight or flight kicked in yeah. and I ended up getting involved in a, a shooting so I would say it was bearable obviously because it was like life or death kind mm-hmm. of thing but I definitely felt pain the, the way I described it to some of my my buddies that I can tell things to is it was like um like in the movies, like war movies, when the ID goes off, mm-hmm. it's like, and they can't oh, hear anything. Damn. Initially, that's how it was for me. Wow. It was 100% auditory exclusion. I couldn't hear anything. Wow. I couldn't, I couldn't hear anything, but until that went away, then I realized what was going on. And then I was back in. So, so I've, heard, I've heard people say before, like people that have, have gotten shot, is that when they've been in situations like this, when they get hit, they don't necessarily know that they got shot originally um they say that it just feels like a really really hard punch and like like a little bit of a burning sensation i didn't know consciously i didn't know but subconsciously i knew because some of the first words i was saying was hey my hit why would you ask that if you weren't hit mm. and obviously i felt it was my face was on fire okay so i, so okay. I knew but i didn't know like I, and then eventually um i ended up putting out an officer was hit Mm -hmm. but I wasn't talking about Greg I didn't know Greg was down no I was talking about myself oh shoot so now looking back why would you put that out because you're not allowed to say something crazy like that unless it's serious so now looking back obviously I knew yeah but 
at the same time at the time I didn't know because why would you be asking hey my head if, yeah. if you didn't know kind of thing <clears throat> so I, I imagine that this experience had both or maybe maybe one or both both an emotional toll and a physical toll talk to us about one or both uh, if they took a toll on you like and and what how did that manifest right like after after this critical incident you were you were shot and an officer in the same incident lost his life as a result of this incident how did how did this affect you emotionally and physically if it did physically like talk to us walk us through that so obviously it took a toll on me physically and emotionally uh, looking back I took care of myself physically more than I should have emotionally mm. um, if it makes any sense oh yeah uh, incident occurred March 9th 2018 roughly a month later I was back at work no and way. I remember one of my stitches on my face wasn't completely closed but I wanted to go back to work because being at home in a room looking up the incident online trying to find news channels because my family was real protective thinking you know if I step out the door it's going to happen again kind of thing Yeah. Mm-hmm. so mom had me locked up pretty much at my uncle's house um, I had visitors and whatnot. Jaime actually came to see me yeah. and I'll tell a story about that too um, but emotionally I don't, I don't think I took care of myself well enough or I did but I'll explain why but physically um, I was like super secluded and, and protected by my family and when I said I'm good they let me go back to work once I was cleared mm-hmm. um, uh, I made it to the hospital by 10 incident occurred around like 9 something I think and I was discharged from the hospital roughly like 1 or mi- or noon the next day wow so roughly 12 hours later I was home checking updates while I mean, the rest of the dudes were still on scene. No way. So wow. it didn't go. It, the call wasn't cleared, and he wasn't in custody until I was already home, awake. I was I was under meds, obviously. So I was yeah. all messed up. But um, I remember checking my phone and getting updates from people at work, like, "Oh, it, it's done with." Wow. Um, so physically, came back to work a month later. I probably should have took more time off because um, I remember like a little scuffle, or just like rolling around with someone trying to put handcuffs on them probably open up stitches if I got pushed in the face or something yeah. not that it would have happened but I probably should have took care of myself physically a little bit more mm. emotionally um, I think I was a mess because there were a lot of blank that needed to be filled in I remember you know shots going off this happened what I did what someone else did who was there I had a lot of questions about was this person still there when I did this was this person already gone when I did this who mm-hmm. helped me with this who didn't help me mm-hmm. it was a lot of survivor's guilt and all the stuff that accompanies that um, I had some visitors come I might have said some weird things about the blanks that weren't filled in for me so I think some of my visitors might have passed that on because the um psychiatrist or psychologist whatever you want to call her that needed to clear me to come back to work I had denied going to the station to meet up with her mm. I said oh, I don't want to do it yet or not ready whatever somehow some way I don't know if it's because of what I said to some of my visitors but they end up sending her to the house oh, wow. un- unannounced so she ends up sitting where Jaime ended up sitting when he came to visit me 
and just talk to him. Yeah. And at first, you know, I, I don't know. You don't know how, you don't know how to act, man. You, right. As a young mm. as a young cop, because I had less than four years on when it when it occurred, and out of those three years, one year was in custody. Mm. So really, I just had my two years of patrol experience and being a kid riding around as an explorer. So when she wanted to talk to me and ask me all these questions or tell tell me like, hey, open up, tell me what's on your mind, I was almost, in other words, without saying it, like, fuck off, I'm, I didn't yeah. tell you to come here. You just you became a recluse. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want to name drop or anything, but she's married to uh, a cop. So she's familiar with the incidents and she works in that, that mm. field um, dealing with cops. So she pretty much told me, you know, why are you afraid to open up to me? Or, you know, there's nothing you can say that's going to get you in trouble. You know, you can fantasize about hurting someone. You just can't tell me, oh, I'm going to go hurt someone. It's so, along those lines. So then after she said that, you know, I kind of opened up in different ways. So can I ask, um, were you afraid to open up? Um, looking back, probably, yeah. That's probably why I didn't talk. But a little bit of it was like, fuck you. Why you? I'm not going to talk to you. <clears throat> so I felt like I almost felt attacked. Like, why did you show up to my house? Mm. That, that's that's very common um and those same sentiments alex we also shared that on the swat team after sean diamond was mm-hmm. killed and we you know we talked about mm-hmm. little when fred was here and we yeah. did a dedication so we had a therapist come and talk to our swat team yeah and she rearranged the tables in like a big circle and she wanted us all to open up and we were like exactly like alex said we were like we're not talking to you who the fuck are you like yeah. we're not you don't know you didn't know sean you don't know us yeah and we were like so closed off to her you know, uh, you know, we were so close off to her. I found out later that people like individually went and talked to her, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but at the time I, I wasn't in the headspace. I was like this machismo, like, nah, I could deal yeah. with this on my own. And, you know, I would, I would play that scenario different today mm-hmm. than I did back then, you know, several years ago. But um, yeah, I think Alex, what you experienced like being closed off was, it's very, it's very common, it's mm-hmm. very, you know, common amongst, especially police officers that are like, who are you you don't you don't know me like you don't know yeah. you didn't know greg like who who are you for me to tell you this story like you know so was, was this your first uh uh officer involved shooting uh where i was personally involved yeah okay but because phone is so violent i've responded as a police officer to, to a few so how because obviously some going through something like that that's like that's major ptsd you know i'm, I'm oh, sure no, there's sure. i'm sure there's there's a lot of it that that you know stays in, in your head um how has that you know made you navigate certain situations now going back into work like i'm not gonna lie i think the average person getting shot one you know and then going back to serve your community again i'm sure in the back of your head you're like bro like this could happen again oh no for sure um so i'm gonna continue from whatever was that yeah, yeah so initially i was like fuck off right but i opened up enough i mean she cleared me to go back to full duty whatever but it, deep down i think i knew i wasn't dealing with my demons kind of thing mm-hmm. because there was a handful of people who i opened up to but at the same time i don't know if that was enough or i was afraid of how i would react at the next at the next suspect who closes the door on me and I gotta go through that door or I gotta mm. watch someone get through that door kind of thing um, so I actually mm. signed up for I think it's called EDMR or EMDR or whatever yeah 
Is this uh, the, is that the light one? The, yeah, yeah, it's like a light thing. Um, it's like a little vibrating thing in your hand. You switch it on and off. So apparently, it, it moves the the memory from an emotional side of your brain to a logical side, something along those lines. And it actually worked for me. Really? Yeah. Uh, I recommend it to whoever is going through whatever. So at least try it. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I needed to go. I was already cleared for full duty. But I didn't want to go back to work and be a liability to the guy next to me or girl mm-hmm. next to me. So I knew, let me do this. So that if I go back to work and I still feel like shit, or if I do feel like shit, I know it's a wrap mm-hmm. because I've already done all the steps I need to do. So if I go back and it's still shitty to the point where you can't perform, then you got to know you got to seek more help. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Um, and then when I went to work, of course, I felt anxiety, all the, all, the, all the feelings that come with it. But it wasn't to the point where I couldn't perform. Okay. You said something crazy, though. It's You, you did through all your therapy for somebody else, not for yourself, though. You know what? That's an awesome point that you pointed out. I want to get to that too. I keep bouncing around. There's, there's so much I want to say. No, I was like, no, wait a minute. There's so much I want to say. No, the floor, yeah. the floor is yours, yeah, bro. The floor and, is yours. and full disclaimer to, to all the listeners, my friends, my family, my loved ones, or just randoms that my haters too that are listening. Um, I'm not a know it all. I've only been through so much, but I agreed to come because of Jaime. This is the person who asked me. Because um, I agree that if I can just help one person, mm-hmm that young buck who looks up to me or doesn't look up to me or is willing to listen to this the day with that they go because it's sad to say but I still have 25 years left I'm going I'm I'm to see this again mm-hmm. whether it's me or someone else I've, I've been to more funerals than I have to should go to but mm-hmm. anyways it's going to happen again whether you like it or not it almost happened actually last year to one of our gang guys the team that we were both working uh, but uh, we, I kept bouncing around it but I wanted to talk about why because a part of me still wants to I guess hide behind it or not have to deal with it because the group of the guys and girls that were in that room with me that experienced this some of them we don't even talk anymore and some of them still ask me hey how do you sleep how are you doing they check up on me it's made us closer some of them I still see on a daily basis but this topic never comes up and I respect that because everyone everyone deals with it differently and who might expect them to act a certain way uh, two, two stories I want to tell so I don't forget one that he brought up that I did it for someone else and then Jaime I came for Jaime because um, at the time I couldn't see all the love and out and support outpouring to the station for Greg I couldn't see the flowers the cards the food the outside agencies that took over the city so that we can deal with ourselves and figure out what's going on so I had told wifey to take some flowers down to the station mm-hmm. and at the time, Survivor's Guild was at a peak for me. Mm-hmm. What if this? What if that? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? Just making all these scenarios where I could have had, like, you know, superpowers and just nothing would have happened because mm-hmm. I was there kind of thing. So she asked me, all right, I'm going to take the flowers down for you. What do you want you to write on it? I said, just put them, sorry. And just, and just put it wherever. And I don't need to explain. Mm-hmm. So I said, just, just put that. And randomly, I think Jaime showed up to the house he sat down with me just this far. I was on a, for a reason, I was on a bed all the time, like as if I was disabled. But I think my family just wanted me like so like bubble wrap. Right, right. Like no one touch him, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, life is fragile pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pomona Valley is where I was born. That's where I was taken when I was hurt. My mom gave birth to me there. My sister's there. My mom's had surgeries there. 
she was out of town. She couldn't find her way back to Pomona Valley. That's how crazy it was for her. Wow. But anyways, Jaime shows up. He sits down. Uh, I think he builds a little bit. Because looking back, like we weren't like buddies or anything like that at the time. He was completely like, you know, vet- veterano. And I'm just looking mm-hmm. up to him. He, he right, says, right, go right. to that door. I'm going to go to that door kind of thing. Right. So I was kind of like um, shell-shocked that this dude showed up. Like, shit. Like, is he going to he's about to chew my ass out? Like, fucked up? Or what does he have to say to me? Yeah. He kind of sits me down, builds a little bit of rapport, and lets, lets me know, you know, where are you at with this? Can you talk to me about what you feel comfortable talking with? And I pretty much tell him what I could tell him, or more. And he kind of tells me that, you know, his experience of where he's been at. Yeah. And I saw a completely different side to, you know, Jaime Martinez that I never saw before. He told me some things that I truly believe were genuine, and that he probably hasn't told more than a handful of people. Yeah. So because he opened up those certain things to me, because he appeared vulnerable to me and showed me that side to me, it made me understand I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. And for what it's worth, that had a big part of my healing, 100%. I'd be lying if I, if I didn't say so. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not just, it was, it's all my mentors and people right. who, have, who have reached out, but um, knowing that I wasn't alone and knowing that this dude that I looked up to who's hit doors that I want to hit who worked teams that I wanted to go to because at the time I wasn't on gangs yet I have yeah. done not even half things I've done now I wanted to follow this dude's footsteps but yet he was here he is you know humble you know yeah. shedding tears with me and telling me what he's going through made me remember that one I'm not alone and two the dudes that you look up to they feel the way you feel mm-hmm. and he shared with me how you know there's a time and place for everything you know it's a time to cry. It's a time to be tough. Because now, because of your experiences, he told me sometimes because you're going through a certain door, the dudes who look up to you because of what you've been through are going to, have to go through that door. Mm. So there's a time to cry, a time to cope, a time to heal. But also you need to remember because of what you've been through, you're going to be viewed as a leader. Mm-hmm. And because of what you do, these are going to follow you now. So you need to make sure you're doing things the right way and be strong and tough for yourself. Because that, that's always stuck with me. Yeah. It's funny, uh, I had said this a couple times to you guys that there was a there was like one or two stories that I haven't shared with you guys yet, mm-hmm. and one of them I shared with Alex, and I'll get to that point at some point where I'll mm-hmm. share it, um, just because it's a very personal story uh, when I was in Iraq, and I remember that Alex was in a low place at the time, and I felt that this story, who, who I've never even shared with my parents, mm-hmm. um, dude, there's like less than a handful of people that know the story that I shared with him of something I wasn't proud of. Uh, and I felt it was like the appropriate time to do it mm-hmm. because he was just in a low place. And I've been at that place before. Um, and we did do, when I shared this story, we like, we were both crying and, you know, but it was like the right place for it. Like, right. This was a, this was like a safe space for us to do it. Um, and Alex was right. Like before that, we were just, you know, we were, Alex was always a good dude, but we never had like a really personal relationship because we were, you know, different eras in police. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had been there longer than him, but, you know, working the same place and having experienced similar stuff, I believe that if I told him this, he wouldn't judge me like I thought for so many years. I, the reason I don't tell people the stories because they're going to be like, what the fuck, bro? You're something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. But I felt like he wasn't going to judge me. So I told him, and he was like one of the, only a handful of people I've ever said this to. Um, and, and I told him the story, and it was uh, it was tough for me to tell him. And, and yeah, we were both crying, 
But um, I'll never forget that experience because I felt like by me telling it to you, not only did I believe that it helped you in some way, shape, or form, it also helped me to tell you that. You know, it helped me because I haven't really told anybody that that story before. Not even my super super close friends here, um, and not because I don't trust them, because it just has to be the right time to do it. You know, we have to be in the right space. Um, and I'm glad I did that because I remember every detail of that. Uh, I can't remember what the fuck I had to eat yesterday, <laughs> but I can remember what I told you. No, one hundred percent. And it's because I, I think it helped me so much because. I, I looked up to him. I still do, obviously, but I looked up to him, and what helped me was, look, he feels just as shitty as you do. Yeah. But he can still work gangs. He can still get promoted. He can still do this. Like, he can still like, normal human being. But he's gone through what you gone through. So for me, it was like you don't have to be on crutches. You don't have to be disabled. You don't have to be locked up in a room. You don't have to be by yourself. You can still be your new normal. Mm. So seeing someone like. I know it sounds so corny, but really, it's just you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not alone. Yeah. And one of the things that, and I say now too, but I told him back then, is I'm like, man, it's 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 okay to not be okay. Like it's okay to like, if you have to cry. Remember, I told you, I'm like, and I remember I told you like every no, like sure. I, I told him like once every like six months, like and I, and I still kind of do this like I, every once every like six months or something, maybe less. Like do for some, I'll just I'll like cry. Yeah, and, and by myself in my solitude. Yeah. And I'll just cry because like just shit that like builds up, right? Like, yeah. and I won't. I'll do it in my own solitude in the bathroom or something. Dude. Oh yeah, dude. But I'll just like let it out. No, mm-hmm. for sure. And I'm good. Mm-hmm. And after that, I'm like, I don't know. If you remember telling me this, but he told me, and it's so true for me too. Or maybe because I heard it from someone else, I made it true for myself. But it's so true. Like right now, we're talking about it, and I'm completely fine. I can I can discuss mm-hmm. it. Uh, sometimes you'll feel weird because like something will make me think of him. Yeah, I don't feel sad. And you almost hate yourself for it because you're like, what the fuck's wrong with me? Mm. Or, or do you not care or what? And sometimes you can be at, I can be at a family party. I can be at someone else's big day. And it's whatever it is, a song or a thought will trigger me. And all of a sudden I want to cry my eyes out. Yeah. And then I got to tell myself, dude, it's not your day. It's, so, it's this little kid's birthday and you want to fucking be that weirdo that cries mm. in the back of the room. Right. So, you know, I learned it's, it's a time and place for everything. So if you need someone to cry to, reach out. You need to cry in a shower, cry in a shower. You need to cry on your hour drive home in traffic. Mm-hmm. Time and place. But obviously you're sitting at your desk at work. You probably don't want to be right. acting a fucking fool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially with Frank as your partner. He's like, shit. <laughs> yeah, fuck Frank. Uh, Serge brought up earlier, because um, I brought up the EDMR going to therapy. Yeah. And just, and he said, it's crazy you did it for yourself. And I'm not trying to sound cool or anything, but it took me a long time to realize I was doing shit for other people Mm. and my story of that is um, anniversaries death anniversaries hit different that's the toughest day for me every anniversary for March 9th for him I pretty much take the week off Um, all my loved ones know like just just leave me alone kind of thing I'll deal with it and I'll be right back Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost weird. It's like it's like the day after, like twenty four hours later, at most forty hours later, the tenth, eleventh. It's like all the weights off my shoulders. It's mm-hmm. like I can go back to being normal. But it's like the whole week is just gloomy, just leading up to thinking about all the things. That we, like um, this last March was the fifth anniversary, and like, I don't know why, but fifth anniversary makes it a lot harder than four, three, and two. Well, the first anniversary was obviously horrible. But first anniversary, second, third, and uh, fourth. You're constantly thinking what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to feel. So I'm part of the Army Guard team. 
I would do his honor guard ceremony on his death anniversary because at the station we lower the flag we raise it we have backpiper come out and everyone knows to be there at 8 a.m. to honor him and every year I would tell myself that's the right thing to do because you're supposed to honor him right it's your partner you were there how could you not be there it took me four years to make it to his gravesite. four years I never asked about where it was what it looks like where's that who goes? So the fourth anniversary and this fifth one last March, it was when I finally went. So I've been twice every anniversary. And it took me four years to make it to his gravesite to realize this whole time, all these coping things I'm doing was for other people. How I'm supposed to feel, how I'm supposed to look, what I'm supposed to do if one of your partners died. Mm-hmm. What the fuck were you doing for yourself? Yeah. I never dealt with it. I don't think I've ever really dealt with it, like, head on. Other than, you know, drunk nights, sad songs, crying yourself to sleep, you know, all the shit that comes with it. Because your loved ones will be there for you, but it's hard because it's easier to talk to Jaime because he just knows what the fuck I'm talking about. Right. I can't tell certain loved ones because as much as they care, they just they would just never understand what it's like to be on the side of the other side of that door. Yeah. So when I finally saw what his gravesite looked like, where it was, and I was alone... And sitting there for hours, I finally realized I never dealt with it for me. Mm-hmm. When, when did I ever purposely seek it out so I can bawl my eyes out mm-hmm. to cry for hours? And it was awesome because his one of his high school friends ends up showing up. because It's his death anniversary. So I run into one of his friends. We were able to share some tears together, some stories about how you know him, how I know him. And then... This last March, one of his family members was there. And I got to hug her and cried out with her. So that, I, I'm just so happy and glad that I finally, now I deal with it for myself. Like showing up here. Mm-hmm. I knew that this would be an outlet for me to finally talk to people who would know other than my loved ones who have to kind of hear it. Oh shit, Alex is drunk. Shit, here we go. Mm-hmm. Right, so finally it's someone who, a time for me. Like now I don't give a shit. If it's good for me, I'll do it. Yeah. I'm not worried about not worried about that honor guard detail or whatever it is because it has to do with Greg yeah. I'm gonna do it if it benefits me and if I can honor him in that way I will yeah it's good man um, <clears throat> one of the things that you, that you said earlier Alex you said one of the words that we touch on a lot here and that's a big thing with post-traumatic stress is survivor's guilt now Again, people that haven't experienced traumatic things in their life, they're like, well, why would you deal with survivor's guilt? Like, you weren't you weren't the one that caused this to him. Like, talk to us about, like, the survivor's guilt. Like, why why did you feel survivor's guilt? Dude, survivor's guilt, I know it's a fancy-ass term and shit, but survivor's guilt, so real. Mm-hmm. Um, so survivor's guilt in the beginning, the first hours and days leading up to it, was why me, why me, why me? Why me, why me as in why did I survive? Why couldn't it be the opposite? Mm-hmm. Once you get over that, you start thinking about how many people are in the room. Because it wasn't just us two. There's was, was a lot of people there. You know, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? And then you start blaming training. You start blaming partners. You start blaming because this happened, because that happened. Or because this didn't happen, this didn't happen. Over time, I've, I've learned to accept that 
we did everything we were supposed to do, how I would have probably done it the same exact way. But survivor's guilt has to do with everything that you enjoy. Like right now, being able to sit here, how come he can't sit here and tell his story about me? Mm-hmm. Now that I have a son, especially when I see my son, because the only time I see Greg's family now is um, a special event for his son, uh, Gregorio and... I went to, uh, I go to like their first day for school or mm-hmm. like their award ceremonies. If we get an invite, we'll come out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Survivor's Guild has to do a lot of things that you enjoy because you ask yourself, how come Greg and his family can't enjoy it together? Has that Survivor's Guild, has it had an effect on your relationships and, and, and I'm talking about with your, with the wife, with family, with coworkers, have you seen that it took an, that, that it's taken a toll on that? Or were you able to kind of keep it at bay enough where it didn't really affect things too much? No, I for sure had an effect, um, good and bad. When I say good, because I think I take, I don't take certain things for granted anymore. I'm more grateful for certain things. I make sure that certain loved ones know that I love them. But I'd be lying if I didn't say there were bad things that came with it too. Like closing off certain things so I don't have to deal with it with them kind of thing. Um, Like I said earlier, you can share a certain amount of things with certain people, but certain loved ones don't ever understand. And I'm not mad at them for it. I'm actually kind of glad. I I, I wouldn't wish this experience on anyone actually. Being a young cop, you want to be like that that OG guy with all that experience. Mm-hmm. You want to join the club. But looking back, if if I never experienced it and never have to ever again, I'm good with that. Which is funny because we've we've said obviously not the experience, but we've we've said this before where it's like everyone wants smoke until they actually get it. Oh no for sure. You know, yeah. everyone wants, you know, people in the military, law enforcement, things like that. It's like, you know, you obviously joined to serve your country to go deploy whatever it is. And it's like you you want combat until you get it. You know, until you experience your, your first mortar attack, until you experience your first firefight, things like that. That's when you know, after you experience that you're like nah, seeing everything that you have to go through, seeing the walk through hell that you have to walk through, um, you just kinda start thinking back and you're like, nah, I don't I I I don't want to go through that. You know, I don't want to experience that. Yeah, I don't wish that. I don't wish the negative parts that come with it on anyone. Uh, but at the same time, like I was telling him earlier, sometimes I hate being behind a desk with my new assignment. I'm still willing to hit doors. Like I'm sure he is too. Mm-hmm. And I almost want to be the one hitting doors. If, if there's a door to hit, send me. So I don't want to construe it as like, I don't want to do anymore because actually I want to. Yeah, but um, if we can hit every door and nothing bad happens, I'm good with it. Yeah, but that, that's a risk that you have to take and <laughs> yeah. not knowing. 100%. Um, but was it with Prince or when were we discussing the the adrenaline? The the, the I think it was with Prince that. Um, yeah, you know, I've were. had I've had arguments with my wife about going back into the military, and this was you know when her and I first started dating and. Um, you know, I've tried doing contract work with companies 
Um, and she's always asked me like, why, why are you, like, why are you chasing that feeling? And and I've told her I'm like, it, it's that that high that you get from the adrenaline. Like, there's no other high that I've ever felt that was so good, like an adrenaline high. You know, just being amped up and you know, almost feeling like you're invincible. No, that's true. Um, and just chasing that feeling. And we've had this conversation before where it's like just chasing that that, that high again. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Alex said something that's very, very common. Like uh, he said, he talked, he used the word club, right? And um, I feel like every young cop that's, you know, that's, that, that wants to do good things and aggressive is like when you get in a shooting, right? I'm not saying when you kill somebody, I'm just saying when you get in a shooting at work in general, it's like you become part of this club, this unspoken club, mm-hmm. right? And I want my listeners to like know that our listeners to know that we're not like I don't mean like woohoo I got a shooting and I'm gonna I'm not like that right like by by the virtue of the incident you're part of this club right. right like you become part of this club and I guess maybe when you're younger in your career you're like yeah man like I got a shooting right like mm-hmm. just maybe you didn't kill anybody just you got in a shooting right and it's like that's a notch on my belt getting in a shooting is rare yeah it's rare in police work it is even though it may seem to to the layperson that it's that it's common happens it's very rare i was like you're telling me you don't get into shootouts every yeah, single day it's, it's like it's very <laughs> rare and you know where i am today in life i look back and i'm like i wish I, I wish i wish i wasn't in that club and it's funny that you know uh i don't know if you've thought about it this way alex but you are in the most exclusive club in the world mm-hmm. that in our department there's only two in that club and i i even hate saying that because it's you and diaz you're the only two people that have been shot. Like I'm, I'm not even close to being in that club. Like it's the most exclusive mm-hmm. club in the world that nobody wants to be a part of. Facts. Like nobody wants to be a part of that club. You know, and it's it's like fortunate, unfortunate, right? But it's fortunate because you have this story that, in your own way, shape, or form, like you being here telling it. I feel like it's 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 therapeutic, right? It's helping you, it's helping us, it's helping somebody. And I'll and I'll get to it like later on down the road as we capstone this. Um But yeah, you, you're like you were the most exclusive club on planet Earth. Young cops want to be part of the club until you're part of the club. Till you're part of the club. Because mm-hmm. once you're part of the club and you know other dudes in that club, you start thinking about hey, how how's homeboy doing? Yeah. How's homeboy sleeping? How is he dealing with demons? Because trauma triggers trauma. So, like, Diaz getting hurt triggers me, right? Because, of course, I'm working the night, he gets hurt, and I'm rolling yeah. to that, too. And, but th- those things are the things that make, remind me. I know it sounds so lame, but it's almost like you're made for this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I was made for this shit. This is, my, this is the job I was born to do. Because uh-huh. the shit that we've been through, it's... I still want to be the first, that, first one in. Let's do it. That makes perfect sense. Uh, so, <sighs> 18, 19, 20, 22, 23, five years? We're talking mm-hmm. five years? Where are you now? Like, has, uh, has, has any of that, any of those effects followed you? Do you still experience survivor's guilt? Do you, is there still anxiety? Or have you learned to, to, to cope with it? My, I, I'd say everything is still there. Um, just not to the point where I'd say it's like PTSD or where, where it's a disorder where I can't mm. function. Mm-hmm. But um, like when things scare me, 
like a like a firework I wasn't expecting if I didn't see it first. Loud noises. It'll get my heart rate way up like it would so anyone. But I feel like it would just take me a lot longer to go back down mm-hmm. to where it should be. So same way people would react, I think it just takes me longer to get back to and it's not like where I'm sitting here or where I'm like jittery or I can't function. It's just I can I can feel my heart rate going because it spooked me. Mm-hmm. Or um I remember like my first the first search warrant, the first house we hit when I first joined the team, because I went to the gang team in June or May of twenty eighteen. So like two months after I got hurt. The first house we hit was like two days before Fourth of July. So of course fireworks are going off as we're about to hit the door. So of course I'm thinking <laughs> about the last door I yeah. I hit yeah. and how last shots were fired. So So it definitely still affects me to this day. Survivor's guilt still affects me to this day because everything, like I said, everything fun that I do, I can't help but think, how come he can't enjoy that too? And not to be an asshole, but it's it's true. It's not my fault. Mm -hmm. Just as much as not the fault of everyone else in that room. If you're listening, I want you to know it's not your fault. It's not our fault that we made it out. It's just the way things were lined up. Of course, if any of us in that room could have changed it, or even if you're not in that room, but you ended up in that room when you showed up later. If we could have changed it, Greg would be sitting here with us laughing about how crazy that mm-hmm. night was. You, you said something right now that, that the <clears throat> minute you said it, it just it rung a bell with this guy right here. You said that everything just lined up perfectly like for the situation to unfold the way it did. And I remember when I was having a conversation with Jaime about Sean Diamond, he was kind of explaining the the situation how things unfolded what happened and he was kind of painting the scenario for me and the layout of of what they were about to do and Jaime said something very similar to that where he said that all the stars were aligned that day for Sean Diamond everything that happened to him it was aligned for for him um which is you know it's crazy hearing it again it's it's you know two two cops that experience you know very similar scenarios obviously you actually get hit um but for you guys to say almost the same exact thing about this you know very similar situations yeah and shout out to prince too because uh, i remember when i finally got back to being somewhat normal uh prince reached out to me and was texting me for like a couple of days straight, just reminding me that I was all right. So, Prince, I'm sure you'll listen to this sooner or later. I, I didn't forget, man. And and not and because I gave Prince a shout out, there's dozens of people. Gave, <laughs> right, right, right. But, uh, since since he's been here and his yeah. name's already been dropped, I don't want to name drop anyone yeah. who doesn't want to be name dropped. Too too many to mention for sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean. Alex, it sounds like you have literally have made like miles in, in progression. Um, and you're very self-aware. Like it sounds like you're very self-aware of, right? You're talking about doing things for you, right? Instead of doing things to appease other people, like doing things for you, for your for your mental health and well-being. Um, and then the other part you said right now too is, that that I have come to I have come to know is you know it's nobody's fault right we we have a tendency survivor's guilt right we have a tendency to like blame ourselves for stuff like what if what if I A B and C right mm-hmm. like 
you know what, what is that stupid little saying like uh, they always we always say like that you know what if birds had machine guns right like it's like <laughs> that's one of the things they always said like you know the, the SWAT team and like cops you'll hear like in my department like what if birds had machine guns right it's like one of those things like well you could what if shit to death yeah right the fact of the matter is is that's what happened that day mm-hmm. right and 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 in life we can't go back yeah. and change things yeah but we 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 take we take those experiences right and we we learn from them or um we use them to 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 build us stronger right to mold us into better people into people that you know we use those experiences to to teach right to 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 empower other people how to do do things different and maybe um yeah i'm not even talking about tactics i'm just saying in general like we use traumatic experiences to shape us into better people right yeah and and it sounds like that's what you, you know that's what you've been doing like you've been using this experience to, to kind of shape you and mold you into a better person and you said that you still have stuff like survivor's guilt um which i think we you know we still have mm-hmm. that well you know one of the things that you were saying jaime that that you know like we were bringing up is is like living in the what ifs and yeah and from what, you know, the conversation, what you're saying, Alex, is I feel, um, you know, I feel like when the the minute you, you stop living in what ifs and you start trying to live in the present and being in the moment, that's when you can really start healing from all the past traumas. Because like you were saying, if you hold on to the what ifs, like, yeah, sure, if this was a perfect world, you know, what if, you know, we'd be able to move on from a lot of things from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not until like you really sit in it, sit being you know be present present with the traumas that you're living with and learn how to navigate through them here's a here's a good question i have for you alex and i it's a serious question because we've asked each other this several episodes ago and the answer was actually pretty revealing but let me ask you the same question the survivor's guilt do you feel do you want to get rid of that no i don't think so why if I didn't feel that, I, w- I probably wouldn't feel normal. I'd probably hate myself. Um, mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, because if I didn't feel the way I felt, man, that's tough. Because I, I think if someone asked me if I wanted to feel better about myself, I'd probably want to get rid of that. But man, no one's ever asked me that. But if I got rid of it, it'd probably hurt because I, I'd feel like I wasn't normal. I feel like I wouldn't give. I didn't give a fuck. Because if you give a shit. So I guess you're, te- you're I guess in, in indirectly telling me that I feel like shit because I care, but yeah, I don't think I can get, I don't think I would want to numb it or get rid of it because that'd be pretty shitty. Because I feel the survivor's guilt because I, I give a shit. And that actually fucking brings up something else too. Uh, a lot of people reach out to me and make sure I'm good because I was physically hurt, but they forget about the dudes that that dragged and carried Greg out. That had brain matter and blood and shit on them. People forget that I honestly feel like they had it worse than I did. Because I was so physically hurt and so physically fucked that I just went and got taken care of. Mm-hmm. There are dudes that weren't physically hurt that sat through it for a dozen hours on top of their normal shift. So 20, up 24 hours straight with the same clothes that they had on waiting to get photographed. Thinking about the last 12 hours of how heavy that helmet was and how long they waited for a sip of water or how they might have pissed themselves because it was that long so I think about 
mentally because I know how much it's affecting emotionally. Mm. I think about the dudes and dudes and chicks that you know stayed there and had time to catch their breath, realize and accept that was real. Because before I knew it, I was drugged up. I was numb. I had, you know, medical doses of fentanyl in me. I, I was saying all kinds of weird shit. And any nurses or medical people that listen to this too, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that night because I, I treated them like shit because of all the things I was saying. But wow, wow. But yeah, so, so to answer the question, damn, that's that's gonna stick with me probably for my whole ride home because <laughs> do I want to get rid of survivor's guilt? Yes, I want to get rid of it. But if I could, would I? No. Because it would make me feel like I didn't give a shit. So the reason I mm. asked you that question is because several episodes when we asked each other that question, our answer was the exact same. We didn't want to get rid of it because we felt if we did, we were either forgetting about the person or the incident yeah. and it was we were losing a piece of ourself. Now, I don't know what the right answer to that is. I'm not a therapist. Mm. No, I, I can't let it go, man. No way. I'd hate myself. But at the same time I say that, I don't want to sound like no no bitch, but I know we all go through the same things, but it's heavy. Just because I carry it well doesn't mean it's not fucking heavy. Oh, yeah. It's oh, fucking heavy. Yeah. And and like to my loved ones who listen to this eventually, just because I don't cry in front of you doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Just because I act like it's fine doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And I'm not saying I'm not fucking saying I'm fucked. I'm just saying I deal with it for sure. It's heavy. And as heavy as it fucking is, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't let it go. I'll deal with it before. And I would never wish this upon anyone, though. Never. But, but you're doing really good, though, man. Yeah. You got to realize you're doing you're doing really, really good. I mean, you got a beautiful wife, a beautiful little kid. and No, no, no. I hear and, you. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I deal with it. I know time and place. Mm-hmm. I know time and place for sure. You know what I mean? If I didn't feel comfortable here, I, would, I wouldn't make this right. the time and place. But, fuck, that question, I, I've never even asked myself that. I never even no. thought of that. Because fuck, if I if I could let it go, I really mm-hmm. want to. This shit's fucking heavy. To be able to to be able to listen to a sad song and I have to cry, mm-hmm. fuck. Just like I, I almost dropped the name, oops. But um, for people who've been through it, like for Sean Diamond, that Jaime's been through it. There's dudes that were next to Jaime that went through it, right? Before my incident, I would do honor guard stuff for Sean. I would do anniversaries, I'd do ceremonies, and I'd walk right past Jaime. What's up, man? I'm going to do his thing. You're cool. All right, have a nice day. Him and other dudes. And until I went through it, I realized, fuck, on that anniversary, I I said hi to this dude like it was any other day. Because for me now, on his anniversary, when dudes or people text me like, hey, do you have court today? Or hey, did you do this? Or like, hey, you want to meet up later? And they completely forget that it's his anniversary. For me, it's like a punch in the face. For mm-hmm. me, it's like, you're my worst enemy. And it's not their fault. I don't blame them for it. But for me that day, tread carefully, motherfucker. Don't, don't talk to me. <laughs> Because I know how shitty that day is. So looking back at it on Sean Diamond's day, all those dudes I walked by and said hi to or showed up to work to feel like such an asshole mm-hmm. that I didn't just take half a second and shake their hand and say, hey, you good? That's it. I don't have to buy them coffee. I don't have to take their calls. They showed up to work. That's on them. Mm-hmm. But just a simple like, hey, you're all right. You'll be all right. Just, just, just acknowledging. Just whatever you got to say, let them know. I know today's the day. Mm-hmm. Would be enough. Mm-hmm. You, know, you said that 
you you said a term that we've thrown around here all the time. Uh, you said heavy, and we always talk about a pack. We call it a pack, right? We say like we ha- we're we're carrying this heavy pack, and I don't know if some of the things, if 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 in life, I don't know if we could ever just like loosen up those straps and just everything completely drops. I don't think there's a solution to that, right? I can't just, no. you know, I don't think this light therapy is just going to make me drop my pack, right? I don't think there's a pill that's just going to make me drop my pack and everything's gone, right? It's there. I think we'll, what we learn to do, right, is we learn management, right? We learn how to, how to, how to cope with it, right? Coping mm-hmm. skills. We learn, we try to learn tools, how to, how to deal with it. And for me personally, the heavy pack, every time that we talk about this, like right now, I have like a little teaspoon. The pack's like filled with shit. There's a little teaspoon that just goes in there and like empties it out, right? And it's going to take a long time because a little teaspoon's small, right? But yeah. eventually what's going to happen? Like that pack's not going to be so heavy, mm. right? No, it's not, sadly, it's true. It's not going to be so heavy. Yeah. I, I wish I was able to open up more in the beginning because like I said, all those honor guard details and anything that had to do with Greg, his freeway dedication, mm. going to Sacramento, going to DC, every anniversary – uh, his kids' events, you know, it sounds fucked up, but I did that for him because I had mm-hmm. to honor him because I owed it to him. The same way I'd owe it to you if you went down tomorrow. It's just the way it is. The same way you better fucking go to do my shit for my kid if I if I go down tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Just the way it is. It's it's, it's it ain't easy having pals, but it is what it is. Yeah. Your packs are heavy, guys, but you got to remember when you pick up heavy shit, you get stronger. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy, Sergio, dropping, dropping what? Bottles, bro. Sergio, <laughs> hey, you, you forget something. Yeah. You forget something. You're also wearing a heavy pack, <laughs> Just because your experience is not the same as mine doesn't mean that it's heavy. And we 100%. know it's heavy, one hundred percent. We know it's no. heavy. I respect you guys. No, that's it's heavy, but yeah, you guys are doing you're doing well, man. I, I really do see that. With your kid and, and your family, your goal to buy a house, you're, you're doing something um, for that person that you're thinking about, I think. You got to keep chasing things, man, mm-hmm. the positive things. Yeah. And then to you guys, too, thanks for having me, one. Thanks for reaching out. Because I showed up because I really do believe if it just helps one person, it was good enough. Because for Jaime showing up for me, that was all it is for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And because it worked for me, is why I'm willing to do it for the next person. So if I ever have a young buck who goes through the same thing like Diaz, I mean, I did it, so I'm, I'm willing to share it. But I, I went to his house. And I almost mocked you by doing the same exact thing you did just because it worked so well for me. And if it, if it helped him, it helped him. If it didn't, it didn't. But he knows that he's not alone. He knows I went through the same shit. And if you need to reach out, dude, I'm just one text away. And he knows because he, he uses me. He hits me whenever he needs to. Like, that, that's so awesome. Like, I feel like what you just said right there, like that. I mean, I knew when I went and talked to you that night, you know, several years ago, that it was it, 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 like, I feel like it, it helped out. But what you just said right there, like what you did, like, right, you took that experience and gave it to somebody else too, right? The short of it is that we have an officer that was involved in a shooting uh, mm-hmm. like two years ago, I think, mm-hmm. um, and he was involved uh, and he got shot. Yeah, he he was shot in the leg, um, and uh, 
return fire and suspect got shot. Um, and you know, it's still, I think that case is still in the works too. I'm not sure, but, uh, that officer is actually still not back at work yet. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, like very similar to, to Alex's incident, but yeah, he's, he, that officer has also been gone for, for a long time because he was shot. This is a, the experience is obviously so traumatic. Yeah. Um, it, and what you said is going to kind of like segue to my next question, Alex, what advice would you give cops in our department? And, and normally we say, we'll say like, what, what advice do you give like young people? Cause, but you're so exclusive. Like your, your advice would apply to anybody because a 25 year old veteran could get involved in some critical incident tomorrow. And you know, what advice would you give people that you have learned along your five year journey that would help somebody cope with the same things that you're, that you've dealt with and that you were dealing with? What advice would you give people to help them? I, I would say that one, it's okay to not be okay. I know you said it earlier <laughs> and everyone says it and it sounds corny, but it's really true. It's okay to not be okay because you're an asshole. If you don't feel like shit, it's normal to feel like shit for certain things. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to hurt. You have to accept that it hurts. It's all about time and place mm-hmm. to feel that hurt, to deal with yourself and cope. And not only is it okay to not be okay, but to understand that everyone heals and copes differently. Like he mentioned, you have mentioned that he, he can talk to someone on a weekly basis. For me, I can't go talk to the same chick that I did EDMR with in that session or a different session. I saw that she checked her watch when I was just hitting where I was about to open up. Wow. And because she checked her watch, it ruined it for me. Mm. I would never. Yeah. Ever by choice, sit down with a psychologist, therapist, whatever you want to call it, ever again, ever. I don't care how many degrees, how many dudes you talk. I don't care if you you're behind me as best friend and he opens up to you. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, I'm not doing it. But for me, talking to dudes or chicks who have been through it that I know personally been through it and that they're willing to open up to me, that's where it's at for me. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at for me. So when I'm hurt, I know who to reach out to. Yeah, and I know who to reach out to. That will be there for me because they want to be there, not because they have to, in mm-hmm. a sense. And I also know now there's certain people you, you can't put that weight on. It sounds fucked up. They want to take that weight for you, mm-hmm. but you just can't. You can't give them that weight because they're not ready for it. They're not capable of it as much as they want to be. They love you so much, they'd probably literally die for you so that you wouldn't feel this pain if they knew how much, how heavy it was. But you just can't give it to them because it's too heavy. Because you've learned, you'll learn that certain people you share this weight with now it's just two of you feeling shit every day because they know how shitty you feel and now it's just three of you now it's just four of you I know it sounds fucked up because we're sharing it to the world obviously so certain people that love me and hear this they're probably going to be worried about me all the fucking time now because <laughs> yeah. they can't handle that weight yeah but they have to understand you know getting letting it out not holding it in it helps yeah but you gotta confide like obviously we're not going to specifics today but if I went into specifics about how dark my darkest days were I would have to do it with Jaime or someone who I know has seen those dark ass days mm-hmm. because they know there's a way out or like, look, I'm still sitting right here across from you. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you. Certain loved ones as much as I want to. If you, if I answer their questions the way they want me to answer them, like the truth way about what I'm thinking about or how, how much it hurt, they wouldn't be able to handle it. They, they, they'd probably think I'm a fucking complete mess. They'd be worried about like, dude, how do you brush your teeth in the morning? They'll like call me out every day, FaceTime. Yeah, it's just time and place. Time and place. 
So my advice <laughs> to all the youngsters, all all my OGs, all my mentors, all the rank, everyone who's listening to this. One, get home safe. Tomorrow's another day. All the mistakes you make today, le- leadership mistakes, you know, line officer mistakes, you're going to learn from it. Experience will be all right. You'll be all right. I promise you, mm-hmm. you'll be all right. If I, and if you ever see yourself in those darkest days, and for some reason you look up to me or you respect what I've been through, bro, or homegirl, look, I'm good. I'm all right. I'm fucking here. Sipping on some whiskey and discussing it. You'll be right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you go through it, because sadly, in my career, the next 25 years, someone's going to go through it. Mm-hmm. And I hope that from this podcast, you can hear me out. You can reach out to me. Right. And we can discuss it. Or if you don't want to, we can just sit in a room, quiet, drink. And when you're ready, we can compare stories and, and talk about how to cope and how maybe different things work for you that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions, too, that just because someone's older than you, they're right. Just think about when you were a kid. I mean, you listen to your mom and dad because they're older than you. No, that's out of respect. Older than you doesn't mean they're right. Just like right. these cops and these leadership, just because they're older than you does not mean they're right. But you, but you learn it the hard way. Yeah. Learn it the hard way. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that this journey that you've taken, because it is a journey, do you feel that it's made you a better person, that it's made you stronger, Mentally, emotionally, even physically. For sure. 100%. Sadly. I'm not going to say that's what it took to make me where I am. But I really do feel like I would be less successful, less wise, less experienced, less mature. Just less everything without it. I don't want to let that one incident define me. But what that incident, what ball that incident started to roll house kids wife or kid wife um work wise the way i see other cops the way what i think about on the way to a call what matters to me like if i didn't go through that to this day i probably wouldn't be this close to Jaime, or i wouldn't be understanding of what he probably been through or other cops have been mm-hmm. through it's sad to say even though it's that's what's necessary to understand what the other person across me has gone through i still don't wish that upon the 95% of the cops that have never seen it. I still don't wish that upon them. But it is that's what it takes. It's just like being a parent. Like, mm-hmm. he, like he won't know what it means to change mm-hmm. a diaper yeah. 10 times in one day. Yeah. That's not your shit. Yeah. Someone else's shit you got to take care of. Yeah. It's just the way it is. You don't understand it until you understand it. It's just like the way we talk about we can't tell our significant others or our friends about cop life because they just don't understand it. It's not their fault. You love them. They'll, they'll nod and say, yeah, like, oh, damn, that's crazy. But they still won't understand what it was. But when I say, damn, I almost pulled the trigger, nah. It wasn't because it was cool. It's because I thought I might have died that night. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Yeah. Another glass and of whiskey. You know, to everyone else that's <laughs> listening, man, I'm, not, I'm not being dramatic. I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to gas shit up. No. This just happened just to be the time and place. I'm in the right environment to... Discuss, discuss things I'll, I'll never be that oh I fucking you know fight the evil that you pretend doesn't exist motherfucker type guy I'm not that thin blue nine guy but yeah. it's true <laughs> it was, I knocked on that door motherfucker you didn't knock on that door yeah. I'm not saying that makes me cool I'm just saying I took everything that came from that so yeah. I don't I don't need no special treatment I don't need anything else this is just for Jaime for asking me to come out and for all the dudes that I hope this will help the way it helped me Remember, you're not alone. 
Yeah. It's okay not to be okay. Because sadly, outside of the dudes that were killed, I have friends that took their own lives also. Mm-hmm. And I'll never be able to ask what demon they were fighting. Yeah. So I hope by saying it's okay not to be okay and you're not alone, maybe you can tell me about your demons. Yeah. I mean, damn. Because when it comes to mental health, it's always like, it's, it's, it sounds like, but when someone reaches out, they're saying they're going, it's almost like annoying, like, oh, you want to tell me about your problems? But then you say, damn, I wish they would have told me mm, always. when they're gone. They're like, damn, I wish they would have told me. Well, well, you got to listen. You know, one of the things that we've been saying a lot in this episode, at least, is time and place. Time and place. You know, it seems to be the running trend, time and place. And, and I agree with that 100%. You know, being in the military, there's always a time and place for you to process all the emotions that you're going through, whatever it is. Um, but on top of that, on top of time and place, and you, you had brought up, Alex, about your family, that you can't share certain things with family or with close friends. You can only really share with people that um that can understand what you went through um and so on top of time and place i also believe a big part of it is the tribe that you can build around you um because i'm the same way um there's some things that i've never told my family about deployment um close friends about deployment and that's because they'll never understand but what i did understand is that if i build a solid tribe of um, you know, men specifically, um, I'd be able to lean on them. I'd be able to be vulnerable with them. And so, you know, I just wanted to add on top of your time and place for the listeners out there is just, you know, your tribe will also make a difference on how strong you become um, and, and how your healing process, you know, how, how you can get through it. It's mm-hmm. good. Sergio? Mm. No, well, go back on the time and place. It's, it thinks, makes me think about probability. Probability is that many things could happen at the same time, which leads me to the what ifs. Um, the what ifs are important, I think, because we could figure out like what we could have done differently. But what? But if you go back to the what ifs over and over again, you, you just keep on living the same traumatic experience over and over again. Yeah. With the what ifs, though, if you get out of that circle, you can change your things for the better. I think oh, that's what I'm thinking. Could mm-hmm. you you just open up a whole thing in my head? And well, I was thinking, I'm living in the, the what ifs a lot, and I don't realize what I have in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm here listening to you. You're just your baby. I'm just so freaking out, baby. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's just um, just makes you think. I mean, the what is will only take you so far. Yeah, you have to live in the moment sometimes. Um, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you, man. It's, no, it's not no. normal. It's just no. a new normal. Mm-hmm. You just right. gotta accept it. Right. Yeah. Appreciate Everyone says, by. "Oh, I die for you, right? I die for my family." Well, I. The better thing is I'd live for them. I'd live for them. I'd live for them. And I'm not saying live like stay alive. Like I'm not going to off myself. I'm talking about like live as in like what would you do for them? Mm-hmm. Like you love them so much you die for them? Well, how about next week let's take them out. Let's show That's them right. this. Let's teach them this. Mm-hmm. Let's share this with them. 
because like the certain people sharing this is worth more than taking them on the, a year vacation. That's right. Sharing something that that's right. So deep. <laughs> that's a whiteboard. That's a whiteboard. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking every like episode or every couple. Somebody says something so powerful that we're like, yeah, I wish we had sense. a whiteboard to write it down. I mean, you, you've been saying some that's... some super powerful stuff today, man. Yeah. And and damn, dude, you know we. I, I'm gonna let Jaime finish finish it off, but um, you know I I definitely just want to say thank you so much, man. Thank no, you so thank much you for having for, me, I, for being here. I mean, it's um, only been a few hours, but I really feel like it's helped me a lot. Yeah, and it, it's, it's been a while since I opened up about it again. Yeah. Really have. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, man. For, from my perspective, you know, it's definitely an honor having you here, sit with us, share your story, um, seeing your growth and what you've done to become who you are today, and. Um, you know, now that you have uh, your your little baby, that that's just gonna change into a whole new direction too, oh, man. No, for sure. Um, so you know, thank you so much, man. You know, truly appreciate you. Thank you for serving your community and continue to uh, serving your community. Um, I think it's it's people like you, Jaime, and you know the other people within your department that I've met. Um, you know, it's y- y'all y'all are really doing good work out there. Um, even though. You know, people can have different opinions. Um, I can truly see that you guys are really trying to make that difference for your community. Mm-hmm. So I thank you for that, man. Uh, I appreciate it for having me. And for the record, five years this is the first time I publicly or openly talked about it where anyone can have access to it. Wow. Although that, it, wow. it's been closed doors and people that either care enough to ask or I care enough to share. Loved ones, trainees, mentors, <laughs> coworkers. I call that progress. Progress, baby. For sure. Thank you. <laughs> and to those out there who are wondering when it's going to get better, look, it took me five years, over five years, to finally open yeah. up about it publicly. So, yeah. yeah. It, time doesn't heal everything, but time does help. Help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's for that's, sure. That's the sucky part because time <laughs> takes a long time. Well, it's what, yeah. what I'm, you know, some of the, I've finally reached the peak, right? It took me. 20 years 20 something years right like just all oh, yeah. with everything yeah. that's been going on but uh, Sergio any uh, mm-hmm. capstone words any last thoughts no no you look very pensive this whole no no he, like I said the what ifs I mean I, I think I've been living in the what ifs for a while and it's just a vicious cycle brother we could have told you that well, yeah but uh, I I'm starting my little step here and with the, the therapist here soon, but yeah. relax, guys, relax. So that baby step, baby step. What? Is it? I didn't know this. Cute. What? You told me to just do this, do you that, and that. And you didn't know? No. You didn't tell me this. Yeah. The the day that I I sent you guys a screenshot of my therapy appointment. Yeah. He scheduled one too. Yeah. I guess he. We just we just got different issues. Might not be that tra- traumatic. Well, and, and we all have here, look, problems. Look, that we I, I, look, I hate when you say that. By the way, just so you know. Yeah. Look, just because you pull a trigger doesn't mean that it's the. No, no, no. Yeah. But it, we all have issues. It's just 100%. we need to make sure that we either talk to our family members or. If, if we don't have family members that are supporting us, maybe we need to take it a step mm-hmm. further. We can get somebody that uh, 100%. Or and, and here's the thing. is It's not so much about your family not supporting you or your friends not supporting you. Um, not understanding. It's, it's unbiased uh, oh. input um, because it's so easy for our family or our friends to want to kumbaya us through the entire situation. Uh, yeah. And we need that 
like I said, unbiased input where someone gives it to us raw, and right. we're like, oh shit, okay, you know, I didn't want to hear that, but I needed to hear that, right? Um, you know, and so that's why I do therapy. That's why, because for me, it's it's maintenance. For me, right. it's making sure that you know my pride, ego, whatever, isn't being stroked by the people that love me the most. But on that note, Jaime. <laughs> Man, I have I, I still have like so much to say, but I'm gonna try to capstone it because um, it was good. Like there was what you said was really good, Alex. Uh, I'll close with this. I've been kind of thinking what to say like the last few minutes, but what you told us today, your story, what happened, it will be, it will live in our department long after you and I are gone. Long after we're gone, bro. Um, and you're an anomaly. You are. Not just in our department, but on Earth. Because only a very few people have ever experienced what you've experienced. Like a fraction of a fraction of people have ever experienced what you've experienced. And here's what I feel. That behind all this traumatic stuff, right, that you've experienced and everything that you've been dealing with and are still dealing with and learning to cope with, like when you get past all that, at the end of that, there's a gift. I know it sounds fucked up because it was a traumatic incident, but you're like, what do you mean a gift? But there's a gift there. The gift is that you have something that only a few people will ever have. And that you have this gift, this story, your journey is the gift to help people, right? That have experienced, maybe not close to that, but have experienced traumatic stuff, but you have experienced something so extreme between a scale of one and a hundred, you're at a hundred, right? So those that are at maybe 80, what you tell them will help, can help. That's your gift. Mm -hmm. And I hope that as time goes on, what you did today, you you have helped you you've helped us. I'm telling you, it's, it's already a success for you. But you will more than likely help somebody that listens to this episode. And my hope for you is that you continue your journey, and that behind all this bullshit, that gift that you have, that 100 that you have, that you will use that and continue to help other people through your story, through your journey, through your recovery, through what you have been through. Like, don't let that go. Mm-hmm. Don't let that just bury in a closet. You know, I'm not saying you have to run a podcast, but <laughs> don't forget it. Like, use that because people are dealing with shit. They're dealing with demons every fucking day. We're dealing with our own here. We sit in our podcast, me, Q, Sergio. Um, and you helped us. You've helped me. So use that and, and, and help other people behind all that bullshit. I believe that that gift was bestowed upon you to use that to help other people wherever it's at. At some point in the future, I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where, but I believe that that's a gift for you because you've experienced the most traumatic thing ever. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been the closest to death that anybody has ever been to, um, or will ever be, will ever be to. Of all my experiences, I've never been that close to death, and it's been close, mm-hmm. right? But never like that. Um, so use it. Alex and uh, help other people, brother. For sure, I promise uh, that mm-hmm. I will. I don't know when, like you said, I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know how, but 
when I'm called upon, and that, that's actually something I'm willing to do. Sweet man, thank you, bro. I can't thank Amen, you enough uh, for for coming on here. Oh, and, thanks for having uh, me. You know, this is definitely probably one of the hardest podcasts. Uh, <laughs> you know, because it's been so traumatic for sure. Um, but it's been one of the most beneficial, and yeah, I just I couldn't thank you enough for coming out here, bro, and sharing you know such a deep story with us. And uh, I'm gonna walk away here a better person, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Thank you. And same. one day when the case is over, maybe we can do a real debrief of it. Oh no, for sure, for We'd sure. Love it. You know, I was definitely going to mention that. Is, is once once everything's you know once the dust is settled with the case, you know, we'll definitely love to have you back on with us to share you know some more details into you know what happened. Yeah. Um, but you know, Alex, again, thank you so much, man. Sure. Thank you for for being yeah. with us. And I can't wait for that day. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. it's one of the things I hate the most is that a lot of my own coworkers and loved ones, I don't share with everyone has a different version of what happened yeah so i just can't and, wait to clear there yeah and, and you know you will. and yeah one day you will you will and we'll have you back on for that um but hey one more time um not just for not just for you alex but for uh, officer greg casillas especially for greg rest in peace brother rest alex peace, cheers. cheers cheers thank you so much for joining us cheers boys cheers 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 appreciate cheers, it guys. all right Thank you all. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Whiskey and War Stories, out.